hopefully answer some of the questions we won't get into this morning. I'm going to read the whole chapter. I know it's long. I've timed it four times this week because I'm a clock watcher. <laughs> uh, so I'm very cognizant of the time. But I think we need to, to read the whole chapter to understand what God would have us know this morning. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 1. This is the word of God. And behold, a man of God came out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offerings. And the man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord. Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you. And human bones will be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day saying, This is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. And when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar saying, Seize him! And his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. The altar also was torn down and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king said to the man of God, Entreat now the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. And the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as it was before. And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. And the man of God said to the king, If you give me half your house, I will not go in with you. And I will not eat bread or drink water in this place, for so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water nor return by the way that you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. Now an old prophet lived in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told to their father the words that he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, Which way did he go? And his son showed him the, showed him the way that the man of God who came from Judah had gone. And he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, Come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I may not return with you or go in with you, neither will I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by the way that you came. And he said to him, I also am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you into your house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. 
And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah. Thus says the Lord, because you have obeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded you, but have come back and have eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, eat no bread and drink no water, your body shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And after he had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled the donkey for the prophet whom he had brought back. And as he went away, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was thrown in the road, and the donkey stood beside it. The lion also stood beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown in the road, and the lion standing by the body. They came and told it in the city where the old prophet lived. And when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord has given him to the lion which has torn him and killed him according to the word that the Lord spoke to him. And he said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. And he went and found his body thrown in the road and the donkey and the lion standing beside the body. The lion had not eaten the body or torn the donkey. And the prophet took up the body of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid the body in his own grave. And they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And after he had buried him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying that he called out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places that are in the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. After this thing, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but made priests for the high places again from among all the people. Any who would, he ordained to be priests of the high places. And this thing became sin to the house of Jeroboam, so as to cut it off and to destroy it from the face of the earth. The word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. What's quite clear in this story is that God expects all his word to be obeyed. He does not give us the option of picking and choosing what we like and obeying that and disregarding the rest. He gives us his word, all of his word, and expects us then to obey it. That's the lesson. You say, good, we can go home now. Not quite so fast. What I want us to do is to begin by looking at the big picture, the larger context in which this story is found. And you'll find that in chapters 12 through 14. You see, what God is doing in this 13th chapter is challenging Jeroboam to be faithful and obedient. Through the prophet Ahijah, and you go back to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 38, this is what God told Jeroboam about the kingdom after it had split. That the kingdom was divided under Rehoboam. Jeroboam was God's man for the north. Here's what God says through his prophet. And if you will listen to all that I command you and will walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments as David my servant did, I will be with you 
and will build you a sure house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. Through the prophet, God says, Jeroboam, you be faithful to me. Rehoboam's not being faithful, but you be faithful, and I'm not going to destroy David's house. He has a covenant with me, and there is a promise, but I will make you into a great king. I will make this nation a solid nation, a blessed nation. But Jeroboam immediately goes the other direction. And what you see is God being merciful and gracious to pronounce judgments that are coming so that he will repent, see the evil of his ways, come back, follow, and be obedient. The prophet from Judah goes from the south to the north. He's in enemy territory. He goes where the king is offering sacrifices at Bethel. He gives the word that God gives. A king is coming from David's line who will come and destroy this place and desecrate it. It happened. 2 Kings 23, you read about it. He says the sign that all this is going to happen and inherently in that is the parenthesis if you don't repent and return to me you're going to see today that this altar is going to collapse and these ashes are going to fly everywhere and when he gets that out of his mouth the king has heard enough and he says seize him but when he does his hand shrivels and he can't even draw it back. Isn't it interesting how quickly his attitude changed? He immediately entreats the prophet, it says, pray for me that my hand will be restored. And God, in his mercy, listens to the prayer of his prophet, and the king's hand is restored. All these are things where God is saying to Jeroboam, if you keep turning away from me, you will be destroyed, and so will the nation. Chapter 14, his son is sick. He sends his wife in disguise to the old prophet who is now blind, the prophet Ahijah, who had told him God's message to begin with of what God would do if he would follow him. He says, go to that prophet and see, is this boy going to live? The prophet knew exactly who she was because the spirit revealed it to him. And he says, no, your little boy is going to die because God is being merciful to him. He's the only one in Jeroboam's family in which God sees anything good. When you cross the threshold, your boy will die and it happened just that way. You see what the big picture is, is that God is crying out to Jeroboam, change your ways, turn from the way you're following. It's not only going to bring down your family, but the nation as well. But Jeroboam clings to his sin, and God's word comes to pass. That brings us to chapter 13. God sends his prophet from Judah with this message from God, a very clear message. 
He delivers that message. I've told you all about that. But he also had instructions for the prophet. I thought if I could edit this a little, I would give the prophet from Judah a name and the old prophet a name so we could say Jim and Bill. Because we had to keep going, the, the prophet from Judah and the old prophet. But that's how God wrote it, and that's how we're going to do it. He told this prophet from Judah, you go there one way to Bethel, and you come home another way. While you are there, do not eat or drink anything. To me, it was like a commando raid. Gideon, hit hard and get out fast. So you see, there was not only a message for Jeroboam, the king of Israel in the north, there was a clear message for this prophet. On his way back, he has been completely obedient. He even turns down the king's offer of a reward. But he stops and sits under a tree. We're going to talk about that tonight a little bit. But there's an old prophet from Bethel who hears about all this, says, saddle my donkey, sons, and he goes and finds him. I don't know about you, but, you know, if I'm writing this story, he's going to say, prophet, get up. You've been faithful. Get out of here. No, he says, hey, I'm a prophet like you are. And an angel of the Lord told me, do your bells and whistles start going off? Anytime anybody says to me, the Lord told me, I take a step back. Especially when they say, the Lord told me to tell you. Well, if the Lord wants me to know it, his spirit lives within me. I have his word in my hands. I believe he can tell me. Does that mean I'm above rebuke or reproof or instruction? No. But it will always be, the word says, how are you applying that? What has amazed me, and I've been reading this since I was a child, Reading through the scripture, I think I've read over 50 times now. It's the same story every time I read it. And I go, how does this guy, who's been so obedient, so faithful, follow this, this lie and never even question it? Do you notice how he unhesitatingly gets up and goes with him and he's sitting at the table eating and drinking and then God does speak through the old prophet he can even use a lying prophet to tell the truth if he wants to. He says, because you've disobeyed, you're not going to be buried in the tombs of your fathers. That's an old-timey way of saying, you're going to die. You're going to be judged. He goes on his way, headed back home. A lion kills him. Now, we stop and we fixate on the immediate context. Don't forget what we talked about in the big picture, the big context. Jeroboam would hear. He would hear the story of this prophet. And the message is loud and clear. If God will judge his own prophet, 
who had been obedient but who disobeyed in this point, how much more will he judge this wicked king who refuses to repent? Do you see that? So that's the big picture of all that's going on. That's the picture of what's happening with God's prophet. He too, in his own demise, is giving a message of judgment for disobedience. Now, two lessons, and I'm done. I know you thought, we're never getting out of here. <laughs> no, but we are going to have a whole other lesson tonight, so we'll fill in a whole lot of blanks then. Two lessons. If you don't walk out of here with anything else, take these home with you. Meditate and study on them. First, receive and obey God's word as he has given it to us in the Bible. Receive and obey. So if you receive and obey, inherent in that is that you believe it. Receive it and obey it as the word of God it is. There won't be any more revelation from God. The Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 1, paragraph 6, tells us there is no more to come. Jesus is the full and complete revelation of God on this earth. And all of scripture points to him, teaches of him gives us instruction how we are to live in relationship to him as individuals and as a church. There won't be any more. So when you hear somebody say they have a new word from God, you know that they don't because there won't be any more. The next revelation of God will be when Jesus splits the eastern sky. And those who have bowed the knee and know him will go to meet him. And those who haven't will be struck to their knees and they will say, Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't need any new revelation. Don't seek new revelation. Some people get excited about God and the things of God and the things of Christ and, and they want new stuff, always want new stuff. You know people like that? Always got to have something new. My mom's mother was that way. She grew up dirt poor. I mean dirt poor. And you talk to her about antiques. She said, I've lived with antiques all my life. She wanted new stuff. She had a new car. She worked for it. She had new furniture. The story was there wasn't any antiques in her family to pass on. She knew what it was like to be poor, and she didn't want that. And so to her, new stuff. Now, that didn't extend to her grandchildren. She, she didn't want us necessarily to have new stuff because she didn't give out much of anything. <laughs> but if she was going to have it in her house, it's going to be new. It wasn't going to be used or hand me down. Some people want something new, 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 and they search for a new, oh, a new insight. How about mastering the insight you already have? How about growing up in the word you already know? Paul exhorted the Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. 
You see, what we must do is obey the word we have. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. Remember what James instructed? Don't deceive yourselves. Do it. Learn it. Know it. Do it. Be obedient to the word. You don't need a new word. Don't seek a new word. Obey the word you have. Secondly, be discerning. Be discerning. Jesus said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Some people think that Christians are supposed to be stupid. Oh, we're just little lambs here to be run over and manipulated and taken advantage of. We're just trusting little innocent ones. No, that's not what Jesus said. He said, be wise. Know the word. Be in tune with the spirit of God. Know the reality of what's going on around you. Be wise as you live the word of God, as you apply the word of God, as you learn the word of God. The fatal error the prophet from Judah made is that he did not question the word of the lying prophet. He just accepted it. I remember being in a church several years ago now, and there was a lady there, and because I was the preacher, somehow she had been instilled with the fact that if you were the preacher, then you were really something special, and, and I should honor, revere, and all this stuff. And I finally told her, I said, look, I said, don't put me on that pedestal. My feet don't fit. And when I fall off, you won't be there to pick up the pieces. Only Jesus is worthy to stand where you're putting me. I said, don't ever, ever take anything I say. Measure it against the word of God, and then if that's what I've been preaching, you better follow it. Don't look to me, look to him. And that's what I'd preach everywhere I went. No, I'm just, I'm just another believer who has a gift, and my gift just happens to be preach the word, teach the word. You see, this prophet from Judah was not discerning. What well, sounded good, look, man, the guy that said it, look at him. You know, well, you probably will believe it, but I remember my senior evaluation in homiletics preaching. The lady that came to the seminary, did this as a favor to the seminary, graded, did all this stuff for all the seniors who were going to be pastors because she was a professional in public speaking and she, uh, she counseled with senators on the federal level all kinds of political officials, business people came to her bringing their videotapes and she would critique their presentation. So she critiqued ours. And believe me, that woman was ruthless. And she told me, she says, if you really want to succeed, you need to go and take classes and get rid of that accent. And you need to lose weight. 
what it's like to try to lose weight if you only knew how good I'm doing. One time I weighed nearly 340 pounds. I'm under 300 pounds. I've been there for over five years. Slowly going down. You don't know how I've prayed and begged and cried that God would help me lose weight. I don't know why. Been on every diet you can imagine. One time I lost 69 pounds in six and a half weeks. Gained back 85. Ah, somebody said, I've been there, I understand that, yeah. I don't understand. I do know that lives have been changed through the preaching of the word through this ugly little vessel he's chosen to use with that redneck West Kentucky accent. I thanked her, I went out, and I cried. I said, Lord, have I come here? Have you brought me all this way for this? Because you called me from where I was. And you haven't told me to do any of those things. You seem to have blessed the work. So till you tell me different, I'm going to keep striving to be healthier. And with this accent, I'm going to preach your word the best you enable me to do it. And please keep me doing it until the end. You see, we have to be discerning. I believe that woman meant well. I believe she was a professional and all those things. But you see, I wasn't in it to be successful. I didn't want a TV ministry. I'm such an introvert. Nobody can believe that knows me that I stand up and do this. It's God. He called me. If you knew how hard I fought him before I said yes, someday I'll tell you about it. Lord, I do anything, just don't make me be a preacher. So thankful he's the one in charge. You be discerning. John warned the church, exhorted the church. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's not a new problem. It's still with us. There are all kinds of false prophets around. Be like the Bereans. You remember Acts chapter 17 verse 11 says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. How discerning are you when it comes to the word of God? If you're not in the word yourself, you're making a fatal mistake. Do not live on the books of your favorite scholar, preacher, pastor, radio teacher. You know the word. Then when you read that book, you'll know if he's telling you the truth or not. If you're spending more time watching brother so-and-so than you are in the word of God, you better stop and ask yourself, what am I doing? The reason so many people are deceived is because they're not, they don't know the word of God themselves. So they can't be discerning. 
know the word. Believe me, you know the word. When you hear something that's wrong, it will just sound out. You go, uh-uh, that's not right. That's not what that passage says. And I've heard people misquote the Bible, and I go, no, that's not what that says. And I'm flipping over there looking. <laughs> and I never did learn references. That's my Achilles heel. I can quote it. I can tell you, and I'll say it's here somewhere right in here, but I can't cite the reference. And so I'm flipping, flipping, flipping. I say, I know it's in here, but that's not what it says. My best friend in my study is my concordance. <laughs> oh, it says this, and I look it up. Yeah. Hey, you know the word. Who are you listening to? Are you listening to God first? Then you can benefit as you listen to others that he's raised up. I mean, if I'm preaching to you, don't just sit here and take it because I'm saying it. Is that what the word says? Be discerning. You see, there is an eternal difference between knowing about God and knowing God. Did you hear me? There's an eternal difference because Jesus in Matthew says to those who came to him, he says, in that day, there'll be those who say, Lord, Lord, didn't we? And they do miracles, they preach, they do everything else. And what does he say to them? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You knew about me, but you didn't know me. Eternal difference in knowing God and knowing about him. And to know the truth of God, you have to know the God of truth. And there's only one way to know him. And that's through a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way you're going to know God. He has revealed himself as much as we can handle in Jesus. You will never exhaust Jesus. Who he is, what he's taught. I've been learning and studying and reading this Bible all my life. And I feel like I haven't even gotten out of preschool yet. The more I learn, the richer and the deeper and the fuller it is. He is, because he's that great and that glorious, and you will never know the truth of God if you do not know the Son of God who reveals him. And when you know Jesus, when you've been born again, his spirit comes to dwell within you. And Jesus himself said in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The spirit within you is the spirit of truth who will guide you into truth. Who will jerk your chain and say, think about it, think about it, be discerning. That's not what the word says. That's not how it's to be applied. Who are you listening to? Are you only obeying the part of scripture that you like? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Take up your cross and follow me. It all goes together. The story is told of a little monkey who in the dead of winter escaped from his organ grinder. Big city, cold, brutally cold. And that little monkey turned every doorknob he could find. He pushed on every window to see if he could get somewhere where there was some warmth. 
The organ grinder was heartbroken, desperate to find his little monkey. He was looking in every window, tapping on every door, asking, anybody seen my little monkey? And finally, he comes to a window and he sees his little monkey. And the little monkey is before a fireplace and he's got his little paws held up. And the organ grinder says, oh, wonderful. And he goes in only to find that his little monkey is frozen to death. It was a painted fire on a painted screen. It was a lie. What word are you trusting in for your eternal destiny? Whose word are you trusting? In whom are you believing for the salvation of your soul? If it's anything but the gospel is taught us in the Holy Scriptures, then you are trusting a painted fire on a painted screen. May God so move in our hearts that we would be people like the Bereans. They say, you can go preach to those folks, but they're going to have those Bibles open and they're going to be listening to see if you preach in the Word. That's what I want my reputation to be. Our reputation to be. We're people who are discerning. And when we know it's the word, we'll act on it and we'll obey it. All of it. Even the hard parts. Let's pray. Father, do your work in us. Could be that somebody here is wrestling. Wrestling with something you're wanting them to do and they don't want to do. Been there, done that. Lord, remind us from this story in your word that we must obey all that you've called us to do, all that you've commanded us to do. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, encourage us to keep studying, to keep walking with you, to keep growing in you, knowing that even though the world will hurl their stones at us, they will twist the word, the evil one will lie outright. Doesn't matter. You have the words of truth. Lord, to whom shall we go? No, we're going to stay right where we are, right where you've called us. We will follow Jesus, and we will be students of his word. All to your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At this